before we get into the album, I want to go back to the presidential campaign cycle where you made a few appearances for Bernie Sanders. What did it tell you about our nation that some on the right were trying to delegitimize Bernie Sanders' candidacy because of his association with you, a black rapper? I just learned politics is filthier than entertainment can ever be. I saw a political party um, sabotage a man that I felt and many felt were their stronger candidate. I saw them use dirty um, tabloid-like tactics to try to do that. I think that the Podesta emails in particular and their relationship with me and the misuse of a quote that a feminist said, I quoted, I think that books, Jane Elliott, not just feminists, one of those famous, you know, freedom fighters, world for the equality of people. I saw that, and this is before we even get to the Republicans, I just saw that our political halls are filled with gossipers, vile, evil, trash-like people. And I think that the greatest lesson that I took from Senator Sanders as a human being and from the people that supported him, the people that would drive from Maine to South Carolina to help in the primaries, people who drive from the middle of the country to the South to help make sure working-class people knew they had to invite it. What I think I learned is that politics really is local and that if you want to change things, you start by running for city council, school board, or mayor, and you go to Senator Congress, and you fight the good fight for decades, if need be, but you keep fighting the good fight. I met a man who was the same as he was 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40, and 50 years ago. And I think that that's what I've learned. Um, uh, the CEO of DeKalb County in Atlanta, um, well, next to Atlanta, the CEO's like a mayor, is Famous Michael Thurman. He's a friend of mine, and Michael told me that it is a protracted struggle. And I think I saw that with Sanders. He has been fighting this fight for well over 30 years. I think that it has inspired me to understand that a loss of a primary, a loss of an election, uh, that seeing you know unqualified people get positions they don't deserve, cannot deter me from fighting this fight, especially on a local level. So I'm honored to know the man. I'm honored to still be in contact with him because it really invigorates me and keeps me engaged on a local level, and I encourage others to do so. Now, I, I've been saying that that's uh, industry rule number 4081 is that political people are shady, but you you, uh, <laughs> you mentioned being reinvigorated in this political arena, but on uh, RTJ3, it seems that you were reinvigorated lyrically as well. I mean, uh, best-case scenario that's going to come out of all of this is that protest music is going to get really, really great. And you guys seem to be on the forefront of keeping hip-hop relevant politically like it used to be in the early days. Is that a silver lining for you? I guess so. Because it's not something... We don't just say, hey, we're a politicized group. There are just so many great politicized rappers out there. My friend and brother, Bamboo. Uh, my friend and brother, the um, Mortal Technique. You know, my friend, friends and brothers, um, who still push the line out there every day, whether it be brothers like Boot, you know. Um, I, I just I just feel that we are, first and foremost, just two guys whose kids wanted to make badass rap. <laughs> so, and sound and swagger, that's our first priority. Can we make dope badass rap? But I think that around one of those two, and even more so one of those three, we have allowed our personal humanity to be seen more. So look at something like Danger and Birds in the Danger Room. Not a political record, but it's a social record, and that everyone has felt these emotions. Everyone has felt this, or knows someone has felt it. And I think that the social commentary that we make that gets interpreted or used in a way 
I think that these problems have persisted ever since Dan agreed to let the, the guy that they thought was the smarter guy run the village. Mm. Ever since you had a council of people, they say, oh, this guy got five cows, he should be cheap. Ever since that system was set up, this has been a month and a checks and balance system has had to exist. That checks and balance system involves people in the proletariat, reminding the proletariat that you can kill your masters at any given time. And that doesn't mean in the physical. That just means that if you hate your school board member, run against them. If you don't think your county chairman is doing what they're supposed to do, stand outside the building with a sign and raise hell about it. But you're already free. Freedom is not something you're searching for. not something you're waiting for people to give you. It is something the universe gives you as a gift when you spring from your mother. And that freedom is something that should be protected, celebrated, and always advocated for. So even less than politicized, I think socially, what we promote is just freedom of you to do what you want to do to be who you want to be, you know, and freedom to discover whatever it is that you How long before the hate that we hold lead us to another holocaust? Are we so deep in it that we can't end it? Stop, hold, ever call it off. It's too clear, nuclear, too near, and the holders of the Molotov. Say the revolution's right here, right now, and they ain't calling off. A double finger with a fist, here at the abyss. I will be a tour guide. It is wartime, check your wrist. Ready, kids? Over to your right, shine a light. Got a baby ready for the fight. I just want to live. I don't want to ever have to load a clip. Only hunt bliss. I want to get to a track, Don't Get Captured, off of RTJ3. We here in the city of Chicago have a number of our community's cultural richness diluted by gentrification. Can you talk about that track, Don't Get Captured, and the story of intentional gentrification in Atlanta? Yeah, well, what's happening with gentrification around the country and the world, I noticed when I went to Paris a few years ago, we were in Paris, there were just no poor people. All the working people who were working in hotels and things would tell me they lived outside of Paris. And I got a chance to see that what happened was essentially rich people, people who could afford it, not just rich, you know, businesses, corporations, apartments, started invading cities and pushing the poor out. The same thing is happening in America, it's happening in major cities where you know, travel's convenient, like Atlanta, it's happening in port cities like Savannah, Georgia. And what you're seeing is people moving in and pushing the poor out. 1996, the Olympics came to Atlanta. Around the same time, they were closing housing projects in 94, 95. They gave people vouchers for the housing projects, pushed them out into the suburbs, and then ended public transportation to the suburbs, which essentially left these islands of poverty and violence. So when Waka Flocka comes out of Riverdale, Georgia, which used to be a nice, quiet suburb, but turned into one of the wildest suburbs of Atlanta, because it was broke, it was destitute, there were jobs, because the city pushed people out and cut them off and planned it that way. Years later, you see the cities, parts of the city that were abandoned like the bluff and kept depressed and depressed. You see them being bought where people would come in and buy 100 houses and just sit on them, let them rot around. And these people would then sell at 300, you know, one, two, three hundred percent up. Well, gentrification does hurt someone. It's sold that city revitalization, but a lot of these areas are kept depressed, and we tend to think of it and talk about it only in racial terms, because we tend to see it in cities affecting blacks, but in Atlanta and in other cities, that's not the case totally. In Atlanta, there was a place called Cabbage Town mm-hmm. that, was, that was used as a slave quarters essentially for white Southerners that were brought into Atlanta. They were used by the cotton mill loft, like indentured service. I mean, the cotton mill, before it was the cotton mill loft, now it's the fancy, fancy loft, but it used to be a cotton mill. They would work the workers. They would only pay them in what they call meal money. They would have to shop at the meal store. 
from a meal store with markup products. They didn't have the choice of going to a real store. They kept these people in servitude. Well, these people who grew up in Atlanta right next to me, their generation grew up after me. And what happens is you have this group of poor white people who live in Atlanta now. And so as a black kid in Atlanta growing up in a black city where black leaderships, you start to see that it isn't just race. This is a class. Like, they're treated worse than we're treated or like we're treated, you know, depending on where you grew up and how poor you are. Well, that was one of the first areas that started to gentrify. And I saw those white people get pushed out, just as the black people were getting pushed out in my own neighborhood. So I wanted to express and don't get captured, you know, the, the urgency of fighting gentrification, meaning young people who can buy in the neighborhoods they grew up in or go back and buy. You should be buying in the city, and you should be neighbors, and, and you should be you should be making sure that that gentrification doesn't happen like it happened in Kirkwood, where my grandmother lives, rich, rich, white, you know, yuppies moved in, and where my grandma used to just park in front of a house, her neighbor instead of coming over and say, hey, how you doing? Your car's in front of Start calling the cops because that's where he bikes that. Now, and Locked his bike lane. Yeah. My grandmother lived there 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, but I didn't want people to think it was only in terms of race, because by saying at the end, in Cabbage Town, they put a white ass out. Truth been told about. I want poor whites, particularly in the South, to see that race is just a social concept meant to keep us fighting so that the planter class or the master class wins. And that's what's happening in Atlanta. That's what's happening in Savannah. That's what's happening in Chicago. That's what's happening all around the nation. And unless people of the worker class start to unite and stay active and activate on base of class and not solely color. But color does matter in America, but the class is based on that. But unless we start to act as allies, we're all going to be lose, lost, living an hour outside the city, coming in to work like slaves in the city and trek back home. Mike, an absolute pleasure, man. I'll see you guys in Chicago. God bless. Wake up, drink water, smoke blunt, clean oil, my cholesterol cough. Stop pile peeing for me and friends, cake is shit to popping off. The evening news giving you views, telling you to pick your master for president. Been behind the curtain, seen the devil working, came back with some evidence. I'm gonna tell you, don't let them tell you.